it. And I'll say a few words here in just a little bit. But one thing that has really impressed me so much is about your children here. I've truly enjoyed watching them and especially the bust them in, the songs and collecting the offering. And I've mentioned how impressed I am with the teenagers, how sharp they look and how engaged. Reminds me of a story. There was a gentleman in South Carolina. He was a judge. His first name was Roy. He had a little three-year-old daughter by the name of Zoe. The mom called and said, you need to come home. Zoe's really upset. And so he rushed home, got there, and what had happened is her pet turtle had died. And so he was trying to console her and to share with her that it's okay. This is the process of life. This is what happened. She still didn't get it. So he began to tell her, he said, well, we'll tell you what, we'll have a funeral for Mr. Turtle. What's a funeral? She said, well, he said, well, a funeral, it, it's kind of like a celebration of life. We'll invite some of your friends over. We'll have some cupcakes. We'll celebrate Mr. Turtle's life. Zoe thought about that for a little bit, and she smiled. All of a sudden, to their amazement, the turtle began to move. <laughs> Zoe looks at Dad and says, Daddy, can we kill it? <laughs> she, she was interested in that little party. As I stand here tonight, I have to tell you, uh, this church has come to mean so much to Beverly and I, and there are so many people. I would miss someone if I tried to thank everyone uh, by name, but I thank for the accommodations, Brother Roy Decker, their wonderful place, quiet, solitude, able to thank and pray, and sometimes we'd come down for two nights, and sometimes we'd stay after church. It's, it's been a it's been a conundrum in a way, coming and going, but, but thank you so much. And for the meals, and I seriously, I've gained about 10 pounds, so I've got, I have to go back to starting tomorrow, because we're having fellowship tonight, right? Okay. But the time of fellowship with each of you, the times we've went out to eat, the conversations, I believe we've had some wonderful services. Now, I'm going to be a little self-serving, and I don't think I've hardly done this more than once or twice in 50 years of ministry. But I would like for you to thank my wife, Beverly. Let me tell you what. We've, uh, she works full-time. She teaches piano and voice at the school three days a week. She has her private practice. She's had it for 40-plus years. She's prepared meals. She's made sure the clothes are correct. She's a wonderful travel buddy. Believe it or not, I have gotten lost here in Sierra Vista. I know there's 90 and 92 now. I, I get it. I get it. But she would make sure that we got where we're supposed to go, the clothes, the food, and all that. Would you join me in thanking my wife? I appreciate you. Love you. When I came, I gave you a goal. My goal was 2 Peter 3.18 that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I recognize everyone's at different spiritual levels. We have new believers. We have mature believers. We have some that have been believers as low as Noah or Moses. I understand that. But my hope has been, as we've declared the scripture, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of him. And the advice I gave at the very beginning was that the church would be prayerful, that it would be purposeful, and that they would have a plan, and they would work 
the plan. Have a plan and work your plan. And I would like to thank those that serve as a trustee and those that are on the pulpit committee. They have done their diligent work. Now the rest, really, it's up to you. And so as I thought about this message tonight, how, how shall I close this time out? Well, the title of my message, and I'm circling back around to what Brother Titus and Brother Ed preached in the absence of a pastor before they invited me to come. They spoke on unity, and I have spoken on unity. And I'm going to end with that. The title of my message, A Great Church is a United Church. There was a major survey that was taken. Hundreds of thousands of people responded, and the question was, what makes a church great. Mountain Vista Baptist Church is certainly a good church. Would you agree? Amen. Yes. Okay, but to be a great church, these, these were the things that were mentioned. Number one was the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Number two was friendliness, and, and you're that, you are that way. There's unconditional love, and, and I've seen that expressed in, in the loss of one of your members even this week. Positive people, truthful, Bible teaching, a variety of ages, Worship, outreach, and cleanliness. And you could check all those boxes there. But did you notice it did not mention programs? It did not mention buildings. So I want to close with some biblical principles. Go with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and those that are physically able, I encourage you to stand with me one last time here as we read the scripture. And as you know, I read the odd verses and then together we will read the even verses. Acts chapter 1, these biblical principles. The former treatise have I made, O Theopolis. And I love that name, Theopolis. It means lover of God. Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Father, we come before you. We surrender this time to you, this last chance, this last opportunity for me to challenge these precious, precious people. May your Holy Spirit per per permeate our hearts, penetrate our hearts. And we surrender this time to you. Again, we thank you for their kindness and generosity and how they've showered us with love and gifts and different things. We'll never forget 
our lives and hearts are now intertwined. And Lord, if we don't meet here, one day we'll meet together, obviously, in heaven. But I pray you will bless the remainder of our time together. For Christ's sake, amen. Thank you. You can go ahead and be seated. There's a foundational truth that's being laid out here. There's a promise. In Acts 2.39, it says, and the promise is unto you. But look with me in Acts 2, verse 44. The promise we have is the power and the ability to be a witness. And I have to ask our question here, are we people who genuinely care? Acts 2.44. And it tells us, and all that were believed were together and had all things common. You know, unity can be hard to find. It can even in a church setting. Allow me to, to illustrate this. We all have different preferences as, as I've talked to you about. Someone asked my wife the other day, what was my favorite kind of pie? And she mentioned he likes two kinds, hot and cold. So, <laughs> so someone was gracious enough to bring pecan pie, one of my favorites. And I'm in sugar shock right now. So if this message goes south, it's not me. It's, I'm blaming it on you. We've talked about having different preferences for cars. Do you know we can have a different preference for music? If I went out into the parking lot and asked you to turn on your radio and the music that you listen to, it would be a variety. Some, some like classical. Some like Christian. Some like country western. And I understand if you play the record backwards, the cowboy gets his truck back and his, do his dog back and his wife back. <laughs> That's pretty good. No, seriously, we, we have different preferences. The books you read, some of you like to read uh, nonfiction, some of you like fiction, uh, mysteries. It's, it's all, we all have different preferences. But what we have to be careful of, some people want everyone to agree with them on everything and all things, and if they don't, they withdraw. And I want to caution you on that. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And, and Brother Ed has shared this. He has shared his heart. The, the pulpit committee has done their diligent work. They're putting forth the very best prospect. But we want to guard our heart. Here in Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Oh, it says, put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips, pit far from thee. Don't be lying and spreading gossip. Let thine, eyes, let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. In, in other words, you've heard me say this before, stay in your own lane. <laughs> Take care of yourself, keep moving forward. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy feet from evil. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. When we think about coming together, and we do come together, and we celebrate, and we worship on Sunday. And the Bible speaks to this about worship. But you know as well as I do that in the Bible there, there's not a contemporary word, and it's not a traditional verses. It doesn't even speak about the style of worship, but what about worship? Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Here's some cautions for us when we come into the house of the Lord. 
Ephesians 5, 1 says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven, thou upon earth, and therefore let thy words be few. God knows our heart as we come in, as we prepare. And I think the thought is, is be careful. There's nothing wrong with greeting one another, hugging one another, greeting each other with a Christian kiss, whatever. That, that's normal. That's positive. But be careful of ch needless chatter. Be careful of gossip. Be, be careful of, of slander, those kind of things. Verse 3, for a dream cometh through the multitude's business, a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Someone that is foolish seems to talk all the time. They just go on and on and on and on and on, and it drones in your ear, and after a while you become weary of it. Verse 4, when thou vowest a vow to God, defer not to pay it. If you made a promise to him, you've made a commitment to him, you're going to follow through. If you've made a promise on your faith promise, you're, you're going to follow through on that. If you made a promise you're going to be there for visitation, you're going to be there. If you made a promise you're going to serve as a deacon, you're going to do your responsibilities. If you say you're going to be a Sunday school teacher, a music director, a staff member, whatever it is, fulfill it. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer or pernut not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Oh, I made a mistake, Lord. I didn't mean that. No, no. He sees our heart. And destroy the work of thine hands. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also divers vanities. But it says, fear thou the Lord. Now that fear is not to be afraid of him. It's a respect. It's an honor. That's why we dress the best when we come. We want to honor the Lord when we're here. And, and we want to make sure that everything's done decently and in order. Years ago, I read seven components for wonderful worship. Number one is meditation. That's Whenever I preach, I have a goal in mind. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm striving for some type of internal decision to be made by you. A spiritual decision to be drawn closer to the Lord. Or if you don't know Christ as Savior, for you to come to know him as Savior or to challenge you in your thinking, or if I have to rebuke you, I'm willing to do that. That's my responsibility. But during this time, there should be time for meditation that we think about the Lord. There should be confession, an opportunity for us to confess our sins, make sure that we're in a right relationship with him. Music. Oh, listen, you all sing from your toes. I love the music here. It's fantastic. I, I'm, I'm being serious. I really have enjoyed the music. Out to you, Brother Brandon, for that, for the songs you have chosen. I know it's to the Lord. I know that. But he uses a human instrument, and he's used you. So thank you. There should be orderliness. In other words, we start on time. We stop on time. The announcements are here. The microphones work. Every, everything's clean, neat, and we're ready to go. There should be praise. We're offering praise. We're celebrating the fact of the resurrection of the Lord. There should be giving, and, and you're part of that. But then there should be proper teaching and study and preaching of God's word. All right, just a couple quick thoughts, and then we'll be done. First of all, unity for a great church involves togetherness. Do you notice the verse? It said, all believers were 
together. That coming together, that's the first step. It's a synonym. It's, it's, it has the same meaning, but it's a different word. It's a synonym for unity, coming together. See, our church, this church is a community. Now, yes, we're gathered here together physically. And, and together we learn together. We love one another. We weep together. We rejoice together. We laugh together. We move forward together. That's the, the way the early church was. There was praying together. There was witnessing together. There was sacrifice together. They were singing together. They were giving together. They were a community. They came together. The key is relationship. The Greek word koinea, that's what it means. Sharing. What are you guys sharing? You're sharing your hopes. You're sharing your fears. You're sharing a little bit of an unknown future. But don't forget, you are together. Now, for churches across America, there's been a decrease. 31% of Americans never attend church, ever. Now, we're down to only 20% attend on a weekly basis. And 64% of the nation, though, claims to be Christian. What does that tell me? We have a great mission field. <laughs> there's people out there that we can't invite to be able to be here. I was talking with Miss Kay before the service this morning. Brother Crumb, the one that had passed away, she had met him at a store, a grocery store, pottery store, just gave an invitation, and he started coming to church here. That, that's how simple it is. It's, it's being willing to extend an invitation to invite someone to come and to be here. Now, the second thought is this. Unity for a great church involves having all things common, commonality. Say it with me, commonality, commonality. We're one body. We're in Christ Jesus. We're not selfish. It's not every man for himself, only what we want or I want. See, the church is more than just an organization. It's an organism. And what do I mean by an organism? It means it's alive. And, and listen, if something's alive, there's going to be growth. There should be numerical growth. There should be spiritual growth. There should be financial growth. If there's not, then something's wrong. Remember, you never, ever want to have Ichabod written over the door of Mountain Vista Baptist Church. Amen. Unity is a conscious choice made by us. We pull together. Despite our differences, and we know this, the church belongs to who? God. Belongs to God. Something that I've learned in the 50 plus years of ministry, 45 years at one church, and Ed really pointed that out even today. I am a steward. I'm not the owner. Doesn't belong to me. Belongs to God. But I have a responsibility to treat it right, to take care of it, and to prepare it. Because there comes a day when I have to take the baton of faith and what I've been teaching, and I have to hand that off now to a younger generation that's coming behind me. And they have to take that baton and begin to move forward. Here's my caution. Do you know that disunity can kill a church? Yes. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. See, all we want is God's will. Nothing more and nothing less. 
we want his will. But the caution here in disunity in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. The plea here was a plea for unity. But what was happening, there was a growing dissension. They were aligning with various personalities within the church. Some were even saying, oh, well, I'm of Christ. I mean, they they were puffing out their chest and they were saying that. You know what the root problem was? Selfishness. James chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members, being selfish. What's Christ's desire? Go with me to John 17. John 17, verse 21. Here's Christ's desire for Mountain Vista Baptist Church, for each of you, for me, for my church. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Calling for no division. There's a word in the Bible called schism, and schism means to tear or to rip apart. That's where that disunity comes from. Without unity, the cause of Christ suffers. That's, That's what he's pointing out, the testimony of it. The church suffers. Mountain Vista Baptist Church suffers. What's what's the most important? Well, we have to have doctrinal unity, obviously. We know what we believe. We know why we believe it. We know where we can find it. We need to be one with Christ and one with each other. Oh, we all have different appearances. We have different styles in our dress. We're different ages. There's different levels of spirituality. Look finally with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. For as the body is one, hath many members. And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For if by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews, Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, whether we've all been made to drink in one spirit. And in Romans 12, 5, so then we being many, one body in Christ, everyone members one of another. So the overarching principle is this, we're one with Christ, and that allows us to be one with each other. See, we have a common task. We have a common goal. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God with boldness, the Bible tells us. And I know that's how you feel. That's what you want. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common.
coming together, serving one another, when you become aware of a need, being willing to meet it. They gathered together. What did they do? They had prayer. As a result of prayer, there was the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that place was shaken. And then they were able to preach with boldness. One heart, one soul, one mind. Mountain Vista Baptist Church can and should become a great church. Amen. To do that, you must have unity. You must have a common goal. You must have a common vision. And you must have a singular purpose. And my purpose is to know him and to make him known. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If I was to close with just two words, this would be it. Straight ahead. Amen. Let's go ahead and bow our heads together. Just a word of prayer here. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had to be able to be with this church. For the many messages that we've been able to share, the great freedom and liberty that I've had. And again, for such gracious accommodations, the stipend that is paid for the gas down and the meals, the opportunity to fellowship with heartfelt, mind-like believers. Oh, Lord, you know how we've come to love these people. We know they've come to love us. As we part, yeah, there'll be some tears shed on my heart, my part. But I'm praying that you'll be with them in this most critical juncture of their church. They've never faced anything like this. I'm praying above all else that you, you can bring peace to the heart, to the mind, and to the soul. That you will help them as they weigh this vote that's coming up. Everyone has that freedom and that right. I, I totally understand that. Lord, if there can be a meeting of the hearts and minds as they come together, as the pulpit committee has done their very diligent work, they've, they've done their human best filled with the Holy Spirit, now I pray that you would bless it. We ask that you will bless the fellowship to follow, our departure as we drive home, and once we re-engage there at our home church, there are some spiritual needs there that I need to address and take care of. I pray for wisdom in advance for that. We close in just telling you, Jesus, we love you. We love these people. We surrender this time to you now. In your name we pray. Amen.